To listen, to learn, to witness. I don't know. You choose. This is Speak Like You Talk. My name is Nashtu. This podcast is a David M. recipe. Enjoy. You mean so much confusion, lack of clarity, so much fucking desperation for meaning. Why can't they just speak like they talk? say we have a pleasant shock and an unpleasant shock. So shock is the, the, the bottom line. Then it's pleasant and unpleasant. Now what's the balance within your work? I want, to, to, I want this to hit a target. How much calibration are you doing all the time you're speaking? There's an element of the work that is almost responsive as well as given. And it's almost like if you think about food, I mean, there's several levels of, 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 of the function. You can't actually cook for people out of duty. I need to keep them fed so they don't die, right? There's that. But on top of that is, um, so that's just quantity. Then there's edibility. So there's a second level of food. It's got to be edible. It's got to be cooked so that it doesn't kill later, right? Yes, yes. And then there is the beauty of this thing is seasoned so beautifully only my father will ever make that this way. You know, there's a kind of work of memory or making memory. Um, you know, I actually like to cook with my kids. I make them cut mm-hmm. ingredients because it's part, part of how I remember my, my late father is cooking with him, you know? Um, so there are all of these layers. And I think it's the same with an artwork. So you have a basic thing of, I want to communicate something. You know, these questions of identity that we're talking about and the way you're shifting it, it's, it, that's an urgency of a message. That's I feel this is my duty to say this thing because I'm part of this. Maybe you see it. Then you've got the second layer. Is it edible? Which is to say, can I be understood? And sometimes I say this to my students. I say the plot is yours. The story belongs to your characters. The plot is, I say in a book, this guy's going to go from here to here. That's my plot. In the way, he's going to meet this elephant and he has to get this elephant out of the way so he can go. That's the plot. The story is, in order to get from here to here, who's he going to meet? What's his background? How does he know how to communicate with an elephant? All of that stuff is his story. And that bit, you can't control because as you write it, things will make sense. It's just in the same way that, you know, we're talking about social media and how it mediates 
and how if somebody was face to face with somebody they yeah. say different things yeah. it's the same thing yes. once you encounter you create the environment where the character starts off now if a character is born in Angola he's born in Ghana the journey is going to be different it's the same plot but the journey is going to be different mm-hmm. why is the journey going to be different mm-hmm. because the experiences are different Ghanaian doesn't know civil war so the way in which he interacts with new spaces mm-hmm. the way in which he envisions a time in the jungle is completely different <clears throat> the way in which he might be suspicious of empty buildings is different all of those things if you're being true this is where we you talk about the the, the truthful intent yes. if you're being true to the character not trying to force it to fit your agenda yes. you will have to respond to those things and that's why the story belongs to them Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a liar per se. More like you're given a response when you're not ready because you have to. So, I mean, what we we all do is we learn the language of the words in which we we move, right? So, if you ask me what's this artwork about, I may not fully understand it, but I know what sounds good in the art world. And some of it might be true, but I I don't know the full story. But because you're asking me, and I'm not going to eat unless I tell you. In the West, it's a whole different vibe. Like most Africans I know, even though we're very social people, we deal with solitude very well. Yeah. But I think maybe it's the, it's the security of knowing that there is community out there and they won't turn away from you. Yeah. Whereas yeah. over here, when yeah. you're in solitude, there's no guarantee that somebody will actually want to connect <laughs> later. <laughs> if something happens to you, they might find you rotting yeah. like months later. Yeah. No? Because actually, being alone is a huge part of human learning. The argument that you could make is ultimately everybody's learning something every second of their lives. If I sit here with you, even in silence, in every second, there's another gesture of yours I'm learning. I may not be consciously learning it. I'm also learning what the next second in this day looks like, right? So we are constantly learning. What doesn't often happen is we don't digest the learning. And that's because we're always in community with stuff, whether it's people or things, whether it's music, because I have music playing a lot of the time, um, whatever it is, we're in community with something. We're in a conversation with things. So all the things that we've learned very rarely crystallize. Now, when you have a moment alone, and alone also means the music off, etc. What happens is you then settle into your subconscious and without necessarily consciously doing it, you start to crystallize these things. So you can be sitting down so at some point and you just think, actually, this guy really looks like that guy. When they said this, it reminded me of that. Whereas in the moment, very often it just passed. I mean, there are times when it will instantly happen. You make the connection instantly. But that would be because the other thing was at the forefront of your mind and so they just they just happened to, to, to coalesce at that time. But a lot of the time, these things happen in hindsight. Um, so, for instance, you know, when my father died, my father died, you know, a quarter of a century ago, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember at one moment of solitude, maybe five years, six years after he died, I suddenly realized that as much as I was grieving, and I, you know, I would often say, oh, I, I wish my dad would be here to see it. But I realized at that point that I actually 
you know exactly how he would react. What I was looking for was the revalidation, the physical presence, the embrace that might come with it. Yes. But yes. actually, because he raised me, I actually knew how he would feel. Now, I had never had that realization before. And when that realization happened, it shifted my grief. Now, I believe grief is constant. It, you know, I'm never gonna not grieve the loss of my father, but the quality of the grief from that realization is mm, different. Mm, mm, mm. Because I know on one level I can, there's a part of him, so there's a part of me as a father that thinks it would have been great for you to have your grandfather here, right? Yes, for sure. But the depth to which that makes me unhappy is not as great as it would have been if I hadn't had that realization that actually a lot of what their grandfather would give them can come from me because it's inside me. Uh, medical science is now saying, you know, DNA determines this and this. He's like, we've always known this. Why, why does it have to take years of research before? It's like, you know, in the old days, it would tell you, your grandfather had this cough, so you have to be careful and eat this, this, you know, it just used to be done as a matter of fact within these African families. Yes. Um, yes. And it's because they understood that these things are not born and encapsulated in one person. It's in the family and it runs through. So the moment they spot it in you, they're like, oh, you took this from him. So this is how you adjust, right? Absolutely. It's listening to the universe, watching, observing, and responding. Rather than going headlong and then later on, because you haven't had that moment of observation, of aloneness, to then say, oh, shoot. The work is never really done. I, I, I have one process, which is to say, I've written the last sentence in this book. Mm -hmm. That begins a conversation with the world. So that conversation is ongoing and I'm always happy to be engaged in it. Now, how does that happen? It's not always within my control. If you get invited to stuff or a work starts to get translated, the conversation you're having with the translator can reveal things to you that you had thought about, all of, all of those things, because a translator deals with nuance, right? Mm -hmm. What did you really mean when you said this? Which means you then now have to inhabit the character and think, oh, in this person's story, what is important about this thing that they said? Mm -hmm. And so how do we translate that in another language? Because the thing about language is, and this is why I don't think the work is ever really done, the thing about language is that it is itself an abstract. Yes. So it's an abstract trying to express the abstract. So it's never 100%, it's just reaching for something. And through life experience, I might find a better way to express it, but at the time when I finish it, that's the language I have. I do. I Vocabulary do. grows daily, but the book must get finished. But I also think, you know, um, that whole, what you're talking about of um, people saying, I'm just doing the work and I don't really care. You can relate that to how people exist in their social circumstances. Now, if you threw a party, right? Yes. In Rwanda, you're not going to let anybody walk in that party 
and walk out without feeling like I had a party, uh, right? No doubt, man. Exactly. That's the same urgency. You, you feel like you came, you, yes. know, you prepared, you drank well, you ate well, you danced well, Thank and you. you are leaving full, refreshed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great memories, great yes. vibes. Yes, yes. That is the kind of party you throw. You don't ask somebody to bring their own alcohol with them. <laughs> nah, man, that's not right? how roll, no. Okay. So, now you think of somebody throwing a party <laughs> here in Ghent, in, in Brussels. You might have a party similar to Luanda, but it's less likely that all the parties will be like that. Yes. Many of them, they'll open the door and you come in. And actually, as a guest, you're supposed to be grateful that you, you're, you've been invited to the party. In Luanda, I cry. I tell you what, when a guest comes, I feel grateful they have come. No, even if it's going to cost me more, even if I have to say to the guy, hey, go and bring three more crates of beer. You know, this is literally, you say we are hosting here, you know, and the wife is asking, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why so much? Like, what, what are you, we are hosting? Yes. So, that social dynamic, if you look at it, is expressed in the way that you also present your art. You want people to be at the party to participate, to feel it, and to go out in the world and tell people about that party I had. So, so I, I understand it. Yeah, yeah. I understand it. At the same time, I, I know the frustration that can come with trying to direct how people engage with it. And that's the one thing that I have let go of. I want people to engage, but I also want them to have their own experience with it. Because I also feel it gives extra life to the work and a kind of longevity a kind of um, life within other people that it wouldn't have had almost like it's a virus the thing I came to realize is it's, it's, it's like the thing we said about the plot and the story mm -hmm. if the story be, be, belongs to my characters I have to write it true to them so I finished that so I know it's true to them now we go to the next stage. Somebody's reading it. Every piece of art, every interaction between two people is experienced differently according to the experience of the person who's coming to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the more you realize that, the, the easier it is to let go because the simple thing, if somebody has less vocabulary than you, they'll read the book, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who reads a book and if I don't understand words, I don't go to a dictionary, I just read the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I might go to a dictionary later. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I trust myself to understand in the context. That might mean I'm missing something that the writer considers vital, but it doesn't mean I don't experience the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have an experience of it. It's not what the writer may have imagined but I have a strong experience of it because it's my experience and I'm connected to it. I'm allowed to have that experience. If the writer's telling me how to read it and I don't have the vocabulary of his experience, I'm not talking vocabulary of words, I, I, I vocabulary, emotional vocabulary, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then I can't go there. As much as they want me to go there, I can't go there. Because if I've never experienced hunger before and he's like, you need to understand, I'm talking about hunger. And the person doesn't know what it's like to be hungry to the point where you stop being hungry. 
and you're just existing, I can't make the person understand it. If, I get, if I'm obsessed with that, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to stop producing work. So I have to say to myself, within this book or work of art, there are seven ideas. They don't have to take all of them. As long as the one that they take, they, they relate strongly to. It cleaves to them. They have an experience with it that is strong and unbreakable. So when people speak to me about my books, and they, sometimes they'll talk about some scene that I wrote that's just a throwaway scene. But for them, oh my gosh, that is their life. saying, oh, I really wanted to write about this. No, I'm sorry. That's a valid experience. And that is the reason they'll go and talk about the, uh, the work of art, mm -hmm. which will give another person the impetus to go and experience it, who might experience it the way that I had intended. But if I stop this person, they'll be like, well, I mean, I didn't get it, so I'm not going to talk about it. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So, I mean, it is, it is something that comes with time. I mean, when I was 19, I would not write something and be like, you can, you can interpret it your own way. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? I know this world. I have philosophy. Yeah. You need to... <laughs> this is what I'm telling this you. Is exactly. But now I'm like, okay, this is what the character lived. Mm -hmm. What does it say to you about your life? Definitely way less stress. <laughs> yes. Definitely better sleeping, you know, all of that. Um, but also, I use it when I teach. So when I, you know, I, I teach um, poetry in school sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I'm explaining, the teachers are like, the kids don't like poetry. And I, and I ask them, how do you teach them poetry? They say, well, we read it to them and then we tell them what it means. I'm like, that's the problem. You're not allowing them to have a relationship with the text. Yes, 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 yes. Right? You know, so, you know, once they have their own relationship with it, when I was a kid, I didn't buy a single book. Hmm. I read hundreds. Because we were talking about social media, right? It's the same thing. A book is a vessel. The ideas in that book can go beyond the book. You know, in Gugi Wationgo, mm -hmm. the first time he was sent to jail in Kenya, wasn't any of the books he published. He wrote a play. It was performed. It was in Gukuyu, first time in, in, in his own language, not in English. Um, similar to the stories we were talking about, you know, when I went to Zimbabwe and I was doing stuff in Harare and people yes. like, Mugabe doesn't care. But if you go to the rural areas, yeah. similar. So, play gets performed. The people memorize the play. And then they start to recount yeah. it and it goes all over the place. So it's not books being sold. But the ideas are traveling. And suddenly, Ngugi's in trouble. He's in jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's not about book sales. It's, it's weird. I mean, one of the really interesting um, conversations I had about my book was via Skype to a university in Ghana where um, 
they were visionary enough to say, hey, we're just going to buy these copies of your book and we'll give it to everyone who's coming to university in the first year. So one of the teachers then arranged a Skype conversation with the students. And um, one of the questions the students asked me was, um, why are you trying to make villages look cool? So, because my first novel, um, Tale of the Bluebird, the action happens in a village called Sonochrome. It's a, it's a fictional village. But I describe the lives of the villagers extraterrestrial. So when he asked me that question, when the student asked that question, I said to him, if you read the book again, you will notice I never said anything good about villages. I just didn't say anything bad. And it's the first time you've encountered that because part of our education, what we call our education in inverted commas in Africa, is the project to westernize us which is to look down on everything that is traditional um, that existed before. And part of that, the repository, the main home for those things are the villages. So within our own dialogue, we're constantly putting down the village. Oh, those village people. Oh, they don't know how to use this. They don't know how to use this. We never think of the, what they know how to use or what they know how to do. It's always what they don't know, yes. what they don't have. Yes. And that's the, that's the narrative. And that is our normal narrative. So once you don't talk about what they don't or what they can't, it seems like you are lifting them. Um, and for me, that was very powerful because it meant that was not the aim of my book necessarily. The aim of my book was to tell the story of the people in the village. Right? Yes. Not to particularly be on this project where I'm like, yo, you're going to see villages in different lights. No. It's just these are village people. This is, let them tell their story. And this is where I'm talking about, you know, um, allowing the art to do its thing and to connect to people in different ways. Because if they had asked me, I wouldn't have said, hey, yeah, so I want you to look at villages differently. So, for instance, when I watched um, your, your, your very f your first performance, um, when you were speaking about the rape, which I've spoken about, and I asked you if you had done a trigger warning, but what struck me in that, the moment you said it was already happening when I got there, for me, that was an allegory for Africa. You know, every European country wants to pretend that they weren't the first to go there and start plundering, right? Yeah. It was already happening when I got there. You know, how do I feel about it? You know, but I, I mean, I'm there, so I've got to participate. You know, that's, you know, even though it was graphic and, you know, it's like, oh, it's colonialism. You know, that was the thing for me. Now, not everybody would think that because not everybody, mm -hmm grew up in the dynamic I grew up in. Yes. But for somebody who does, that is one of the valid places where that... You can take the, you that, can imagery. Take that imagery. <coughs> you know? No, I mean, it's... For me, it's been really interesting. Um, you know, I was discussing with a friend of mine. I'm, I was like, I'm not actually sure how I'm, how I'm going to write texts about it, but... It's been valuable, and I know I will be able to because I'm a writer. 
like on, on so many levels, I, I mean, I was actually thinking of, a, it made me think of, of even an art project, and a, an art and music project, um, looking at um, just um, flora. So I'm thinking of it in my head as the, the Ghana Seed Museum. So you know we have musical instruments that we make with seeds. So you have trees that are native to Ghana and they have their seeds. And then you have trees that were brought by colonials yeah. for commercial reasons and they yeah. have their seeds. Yes. Right? Yes. And then you have, um, so those were to produce cash crops or whatever. Um, and then you have those that were, came for ornamental reasons and stuff like that. So for me, the whole, it's, it's not crystallized yet, mm -hmm. but it's about making instruments with all these seeds of these different generations and the different sounds that they will make and, um, yeah, and how they draw a map of the country through the flora showing the trauma mm -hmm. and healing and, the, you know, and coming together where we are now in terms of the number of seeds that you can have in it, in it you know, so, yeah. You know, it's just the narrative in a sense, but it's still the same narrative of, you know, what then becomes known as native, you know, yeah. a crop that you're known for, which actually isn't from, you know, like cocoa is not from Ghana, right? You know, we produce some of the best cocoa in the world. So when you talk to Swiss chocolatiers and Belgian chocolatiers, they'll tell you that, you know, you need a certain amount of Ghanaian cocoa for smoothness and, you know, that type of... <laughs> yes. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. And, and recently they, they found a, one of the original strains in Peru that had died out. They thought had died out, but it, it was in some valley and it was protected. And so now that's one of the more expensive ones. But like, you know, the, the, the cocoa that came because a Ghanaian traveled on, on a ship to go and bring it has become like part of the identity of the country. So what does this, what's the music that that scene yes, makes yes, yes. Um, when you put it in a shaker? And um, yeah, so there's, there's a whole lot of ideas floating in my head because of that. Now, would I have thought about um, expressing this journey in a kind of artistic project like this before engaging with this novel? But, you know, funnily, the novel I just finished writing, um, Asuka, which is about belonging, um, which happens on a fictional Caribbean island and actually has similar themes, was, is narrated by a tree. I don't say it in the book, 